Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap to break down the recent draft stocks for this past week of college football. We've got some interesting storylines, especially that surrounding North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance, as well as some other key names that helped themselves out with big performances and some others that hurt themselves with weak outings during this week of games. Before we get to that, though, folks, I want to share a message from our sponsors. That being Bet Online, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more wagering options than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So guys, it seems like the real big thing here that people were talking about after Trey Lance performed in his only game of the season against the, the University of Central Arkansas, had a bit of a rough game through his first interception of his career at North Dakota State going 15 for 30 for 149 yards two touchdowns and an interception as well as rushing for 143 yards Ryan where do you sit on his performance is is this enough to derail the hype train that has been going around and surrounding Trey Lance no I mean I I don't think so it's you know one game does not encapsulate a player does not make you know, a full evaluation, you know, that's why we have a certain amount of games that we evaluate in order to come up with grades, right? Like we're not watching one game and then coming to a decision on a player. So I don't think that it hurts him to the highest degree. Now, did it necessarily help him? No, I I feel like this, this stock is probably exactly where it was before the game ever happens. One thing though, that is just a huge disappointment for me is, is this game, I just feel like there is, it was just a lose-lose situation, right? Because he didn't have a great game, so now people are going to second-guess the evaluation. Should he answer the 2021 NFL draft? Should he go back? What's the future look like? But if he would have had the best game he's ever had, if he would have thrown for 300, 400 yards, then people would have said, it's just Central Arkansas. What does it mean? You know, we're playing against an FCS opponent here. It's not like a, a tough situation. You're not putting an ad, him into adversity in any way. So it was a lose-lose situation. It didn't change any opinion from me. I don't think it's going to change any opinion from evaluators. I just think that it was an unfortunate circumstance that he did not have a great game yesterday. Yeah, he came back down to earth. You saw the the gaudy stat lines he put up uh, in, in his redshirt freshman season. And given the situation – 
they didn't know they were preparing for a game until what a couple weeks ago and they hadn't had any game play um so far this season central arkansas's played what four games i feel like they've played more games than anybody so far this year so you you have a team that's you know that that's in a rhythm they've played game after game and then you have north dakota state and and trey lance that you know they just came out for this little exhibition style game with it just being the only game on their their schedule for the fall i'm not buying much stock into it um as as y'all know, I've been on the Justin Fields over Trey Lance from an evaluation standpoint in the past, but this doesn't this doesn't make me feel you know it's not vindicative of who Trey Lance is. It doesn't make me feel good about that decision necessarily. It's one game, like Ryan said, you don't evaluate on the one game. Trey Lance, you know, it was a lose lose situation, and and unfortunately he got one he he got the loss. He he had an average game. Obviously, the rushing performance helped him out a good bit. Um, but from a from a production standpoint, in the passing game, fifty percent completion percentage with only, with under one hundred and fifty passing yards, and then throwing that first interception is isn't the greatest of looks. But obviously, we're we're me and Ryan are being transparent in the fact that we haven't watched this game. We've watched the the I've watched I've watched the interception. I saw that highlight. I saw the the big run that he had, and so from an evaluation standpoint, we can't really speak on it too much, but. One thing's for certain, and that's we're not judging Trey Lance off one game in 2019. You know, it's not going to have as much stock as his 2018 tape for me, and I know that's true for for most evaluators out there. So, uh, Trey Lance, I I don't think anything changes with his stock because of this game. It's just, you know, people are going to buy into the hype. It's just a new subject. Oh, is Trey Lance really not that good? You know, I I've seen those tweets going, you know, crossing the the platform, but uh, no, Trey Lance is still a a top five overall pick in this draft, in my opinion. Right, and every prospect's not going to be perfect in every single game, and understandably the level of play who he was facing is not as good as a Power 5 team. It's not like his matchup against Oregon that we were hoping for. It was against Central Arkansas. And the one thing we've seen from every single team so far this, this year in their first game, it's been pretty rough. Things haven't been very smooth. Everybody's been a little bit off because the lead-up has been abnormal compared to a regular season because of COVID. So not only does North Dakota State have to deal with those bumps and bruises, but they have to face a team that has played multiple games and also is one of the best in the country at forcing turnovers. It was bound to happen. He was bound to have some type of a, a turnover in this game. This, the cards were stacked against him. So I, I again, I wouldn't really knock him too much, kind of like you guys both said. Uh, another key player from this game was Dylan Radons, who immediately after the game was announced to be a invite to the Senior Bowl. Ryan, I, I'm a bit curious to just hear your thoughts on this. Do you think that uh, the the invite to Radons was not un uh, uh, that he didn't deserve it, but somebody else maybe should have gotten it before him? Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's justified because Dylan Radens is a good football player. I, I don't think there's any question. And Jim Nagy. I mean, hey, man, he's been very adamant about this all offseason, man. He, I mean, I, I saw a tweet that he said that he was better than Penny Sewell. So he is a all-in on Dylan Radins type of guy, Nagy. He got his guy into the game. He thinks that he's a first-round pick. He thinks he's a high first-round pick. We'll see what happens with the man. My point, though, before we started the show was, for me, and I've, I've also been very adamant about this this offseason, I think Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa was the best FCS offensive tackle in the class. I think that he's better than Dylan Radins. So, like, when you stack it up like that, like, you know, it, it is what it is. It's not a big deal. I expected Dylan Radins all along to be at the senior ball. 
I just personally don't think that he's the best FCS offensive tackle. And then, like, there are some, like, really big Dylan Radins truthers right now. And I, I like him to a degree. Like, if you sold me on him somewhere in, like, the third round, late second, like, I can get on board with that. I just don't think that he is what he is be, being built up as. And, and, and this is no shot at Jim Nagy in any way. Jim Nagy really likes him. Jim Nagy hears good things about him. And then we've seen a lot of draft Twitter really, like, jump on that bandwagon. Like, oh, yeah, Dylan Reigns is great. Dylan Reigns is great. I, I don't think it's an authentic response or an authentic evaluation. But I do think that Dylan Reigns is a good football player that does deserve to be down in Mobile to see what he looks like against, a, again, an FCS player going to play against more stiffer competition down there in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that Dylan Radins is a good football player. He's going to be, he's probably, when it's all said and done, he's going to be easily a top, probably 75 draft pick. There's some people that think he could sneak into the first round. Obviously, we have a long way to go to April. But, I mean, this is a good senior bowl get. And with the weird season being the way it is, North Dakota State playing a single game in the fall, I mean, the season's over, you know, the season's over for for draft prospects really because uh, they're not going to play in the spring they got to prepare for the draft and and so it, it's just weird to get these senior bowl invites in the first week of october that's just very odd you don't see that every year but no it's well deserved i mean he's one of the the top offensive tackles in the country um you know there's no denying that he's a top 75 guy in my opinion and and i think he's going to be one of the better players to, to go down to mobile uh given that we do have that senior bowl which we should Guys, let's get into talking about our stock up and stock down players from this past week of college football. First being from Alex, who has a combo pick again. It seems like he decided to go with a quarterback who threw up a crazy stat line and also his lead target yet again. Shane Bouchelle from SMU throwing for 474 yards and three touchdowns. Also, you wanted to package in there Reggie Roberson Jr., Five receptions, 243 receiving yards, two touchdowns, good for a 48.6-yard receiving average. Alex, why did you choose both of these guys from SMU? Yeah, it's it's mainly Reggie Reggie Roberson, you know, the speedy threat that he has on the outside. Um, It's it's ridiculous. As you see, five receptions, 243 yards for, for... for you that can do quick math, that's just shy of 50 yards of reception. So this guy is uh, catching the ball deep and he's taking it to the house. I mean, that's just what this guy does. Uh, obviously, he had the injury later on in that game um, and took him out of the game. So hopefully he can, you know, that's minor and he can bounce back from that. But God, Reggie Roberson's a fun watch. Uh, you know, I was, a, I was a fan of his coming into the summer. Uh, I like his skill set and how it translates to the next level as that Deshaun Jackson mold. Um, you know, there's different speed guys, in my opinion. You have the the guys that went over the top, and you have the guys that went underneath and use their speed after the catch. And this guy's just someone that's going to beat you deep. He's just going to beat you to the spot. And there's not many players at, at, that, at that level that are keeping up with Reggie Roberson. So I, I think this is a stock-up game for him put his name in the, in the spotlight for wide receivers this week. And then Shane Bichelle, I mean, it was just an efficient game for him. That's what he that's what he's built as. I, I don't think this guy has starting caliber stuff, um, but he makes you feel comfortable uh, selecting him in a middle to late round as someone that you can trust as a backup quarterback for a long time. I think he's got that kind of mentality, that kind of experience and skill set. He takes care of the football. He puts it in his weapons' hands, and and you know that there's there's value in that, especially from the quarterback position uh, in the NFL. You see a lot of quarterbacks. You see the injuries that have happened. 
um, the last couple of years at the quarterback position and having that backup is very important. That's why Philly used a second round pick. They know they know uh, a second round pick on Jalen Hurts, I should say. They know that their quarterback is one sack away from being injured. They need someone in there that can that can run the offense. So uh, I don't think Shane Bichelle's ever going to be a starting caliber guy, like I said, but he he's a solid guy that I think is going to have a role for many many years in the NFL. And so. You know, you you know, I have to go with that that one two punch, or you know that that uh, that stack like I did last <laughs> week with the the Kyles of Florida. I, it's probably going to be a theme I I take take with me the rest of the way. But uh, no, Shane Michelle, Reggie Roberson, it's stock up game for both of them, and a big win over uh, the ranked Memphis Tigers. Did you have to bring up Jalen Hurts, Alex? I was in a good mood that you brought up Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I'm not even, man, I don't, I don't even like the Eagles, but every week I just see them trot out guys like Avante Maddox and um, Jalen Mills, and I'm like, wow, Jeremy Chin or Christian Fulton would be really nice in that secondary, wouldn't it? But, no, let's take it back yeah. to quarterback. Nah, let's just, yeah. He snaps a game as a decoy. That's an awesome, awesome pick. Um, anyway, though, I'm, I'm sorry that – that just man, like I'm right outside. It was necessary. It was warranted. If if you bring up Jalen Hurts, you get the reaction that we all think. Yes, yes. It's the same thing that pops in my head every time I think of Jalen Hurts. I, I will say though, Reggie Roberson is quite fast. <laughs> He's a legit four three athlete. It, the, you know, speed kills at the NFL level. And this kid, if healthy is probably a top 75 pick in next year's draft because he's going to run 4-3 something at the combine. He's He's got that element to the game that everybody wants. Unfortunately, he went down with a non-contact injury, which never is good. I'm hoping, you know, there's a, there's a quick, you know, bounce back there. I'm assuming it's probably a torn ACL. I haven't seen anything specific, but, you know, it, it was a non-contact. He went down, grabbed his knee. I'm, I'm hoping for the best for him, but it didn't look great. Healthy, though, again, there's definitely a role for him at the next level. He's got a lot of juice to him, kind of in like that John Brown type of role, right? Like he can take the top off at any point. Like him a bunch. Shane Bouchelle, you know, I'm good with him. You know, he's a serviceable potential backup quarterback. Right, yeah, probably fourth, fifth-round pick, would you say? Maybe. I mean, he couldn't even beat out Sam Ellinger at, at Texas, but sure, <laughs> let's, let's go with that. Um, I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's looking better than Ellinger does right now, though. I, I do. I, yeah. oh, I, I definitely like him better than Ellinger because Ellinger's, Ellinger's hey, a fullback. Hey, so. don't, talk about, don't talk about quarterbacks being picked over the other. Georgia picked Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. Say what you want. Uh, Justin yeah. Fields is a better quarterback. Yes, well, yes, there's always examples. We, we I, I, I'm just saying, man. I, I'm watching Sam Ellinger. And I watched him. We should have put him in stock down. We didn't even think about it, but he was <laughs> awful. Um, but yeah. Wait, wait. Did, did, does Ellinger even have a stock to, to even start a conversation with? Because I, I don't think he's done. He's done. Point. He hasn't done anything to warrant any type of draft buzz. The guy is a fullback, like you've said before. He's a fullback playing quarterback. He can't throw the ball. I'm telling you right now, though, the uh, the grades that came back from the NFL. Before the season started, he was rated as a third to fourth round prospect. So yes, there is stock. That's that Texas football hype. Te- yeah, Texas is back, baby. Losing to TCU in, in, in an awful fashion once again. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm good with it though, Alex. I'm good with it, man. Bouchelle's got a little something to him. He's a smart. He's got he's got some natural arm talent. I like it. Reggie Roberson though, love that pick. He like dude. I mean, what was it five catches for like two forty three or something like that before he got hurt? Like it was, it was insane. Nobody could stop him all day. He was on his pay, he was on he was on a a path to three hundred before he got hurt. Unfortunately, Ryan, your guy that you are first high on for your stock up is a 
Graduate transfer from Kansas to Virginia Tech, Khalil Herbert, the five foot nine, two hundred and twelve pound running back, had himself a day against Duke. Twenty rushing attempts, two hundred and eight rushing yards, and two touchdowns. No receptions. What did you see from Herbert that makes you so excited about him? You know, so when he was at Kansas, he you know mixed and matched with Puka Williams. Puka, you know, had a I think he missed maybe a, a game or two to start the year last year. So Khalil Herbert was actually the starting tailback, and he was averaging like a hundred yards a game in three or four games he played. And then he decided to take that red shirt and then grad transfer for his final year. And I'm going to be very honest here, and this might be a hot take, I guess. I think he's the better one out of those two when we're talking about Puka Williams or we're talking about Khalil Herbert. I think he's very good. I think he's talented. He's Like Joe said, you know, he's 5'9", 212. He's well put together. He's got some contact balance to him. Got a little more juice than you might anticipate. I think he's a legit 4'5 athlete. I think he's got more than enough passing game. I would like to see him contribute in that in that you know, capacity to a degree here, but the kid runs hard, man. The kid is determined. Everything I've heard of him down at Virginia Tech, too, with that staff, they seem to really speak very highly of him. The, the, the character, the work ethic, all that stuff, he just kind of checks those boxes. So I'm looking at Khalil Herbert. I think Khalil Her- Herbert's going to end up being like a mid-round drafted player. I really do, because I think he's going to test pretty well for 212 to 215 pounds. He had 200 yards on 20 carries, so he's got some explosive plays to to his belt a little bit too. And he was facing that Duke defense, which I feel like we talk about every single week, that has several future NFL prospects on it. So hats off to Khalil Herbert. He really showed out in, in his uh, in his his uh, second game there with Virginia Tech, and I am very impressed with what I've seen so far. Well, he quietly had a big week last week against NC State as well that, you know, we we didn't talk about him. You know, six carries. He only touched the ball six times in the run game, but 104 yards. Uh, And the long was only 37, so it's not like he got a 99-yard run and then got stuffed the rest of the time. Like, this guy was – he's easily getting to the second level very consistently. And that's where I like him best. You know, I I love this pick because – it's it's someone that no one's talking about even after the performance on Saturday and this guy's explosive. I love how he's built. You know, you, like you said, this, the 210, 215 frame is very lower half heavy, and I love that uh, out of a out of a weapon like him. And I think he does so much damage uh, in the passing game as well. He didn't have any receptions this week in the passing game, but I you know I went back and watched some uh, just some highlights of him from from the past, and this guy is. Is really good in the passing game as well. Nice, nice soft hands, natural pass catcher out of the backfield. I think this guy's a weapon, and and that's not even including his his work in the receiving game or uh, in the kick return game. This guy's a you know plays on special teams. I think there's value to be had in those kind of guys. We've seen special teamers uh, require more and more draft capital to take these guys that that have so much impact on uh, on the kick return, punt return side of things. And this is just another guy that that fits that mold. I, I like Khalil Herbert. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't know this name before the season, but two weeks in a row, he's kind of caught my eye. This is someone to watch for the rest of the season for sure. And it seems like the type of running back that teams are aspiring to get are the the more compact type of running back. The, I Honestly, I think like James Robinson is, is the, the size mold that a lot of teams are – Alvin Kamara that teams are, are pushing towards, which is five foot nine, two ten, two fifteen, and Herbert seems to fit that mold. So I'm sure that will definitely help as the trajectory for types of running backs is is starting to change in the NFL. Alex, your next guy is Kadarius 
Tony, the wide receiver from Florida that you're very high on. Against South Carolina, he had six receptions for 86 yards and one touchdown. And I have to say, that reception that that, that went viral on, on social media that he had was an incredible play. I watched it happen live, and it took me a second to to truly figure out what he what he did. Is that part of why you're so high on him this week? Oh yeah, I mean this guy's not built very very thick, um, but he's so explosive and he has good contact balance, as you saw with that play. And that's really the the biggest question I had of him is that obviously he's fast, he's he's elusive in space. Think Puka Williams in that regard with the ball in his hands. But this guy has some some fun contact balance as well, as you saw in that 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 viral play that you're you're alluding to there. But he he's done it for weeks now. He had the the two carries uh, last week, the one fifty yarder, and then he, he, I think he caught another handful of passes then with a touchdown last week. This guy is a playmaker. You know, we always talk about Kyle Pitts and that offense, and you know how much of a mismatch he is, and rightfully so. Stock up again for him with the two touchdowns he had, um, but. No, you, you Kadarius Tony. There's a there's a mold for him. Think think Tony Pollard, what he does for the Cowboys offense. But I, I think Kadarius Tony has a lot more upside than that. But in that similar role, um, no, I, I think this guy is going to be one of those send him in motion, send him across the formation, back and forth, give him a couple jet sweeps, give him short passes, let him move in space. That's what his his role is going to be at the next level. And I think a innovative offense is going to have a lot of fun with Kadarius Tony. So I'm, I'm, I'm growing on him. This Florida offense as a Georgia fan is scary. I mean, there's just more and more weapons, you know, coming about as the week goes on next week. Who's it going to be? Trayvon Grimes. I don't know. Copeland. Someone's coming up for Florida next week. I, I'm growing scared of this Florida offense. And he, he kind of fits, you know, it might be the, the Florida element to it, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Percy Harvin to a degree, how he yeah. plays the football yeah. game. He's that gadget guy, right? Like you can send him in motion, give him some jets, give him some end arounds, reverses, you know, quick throws in the slot. He could line up in the backfield at times and you can manipulate the defense in that way. Like there's so many things that he affects the game as a returner. Uh, He's just one of those guys that you just want to, you want to really create space for him and allow him to take over. You want to manipulate that space, you want to manufacture that space and let him go. He's a playmaker at the end of the day. No matter what role he's in, he's going to make players miss. He runs with very, he runs very strong for a player his size, and he's a player that is just a mismatch nightmare if you use him correctly. And that play that he made just to push through, I think it was five defenders, is not something that every player in college football can do so you can see that like you guys talked about that contact balance that type of stuff is what you want to translate to the next level for an offensive weapon our final player that is stock up for you Ryan your pick Zaven Collins second time I think we've had him on here in his second game of the season against UCF in their upset victory he had 10 tackles three and a half tackles for loss that's a pretty good stat line and it seems like the story behind Zayvon Collins and that Tulsa defense just continues to grow and grow. Yeah, they almost took down Oklahoma State the first week, and they upset UCF this week, which obviously they were underdogs in that game as well. There, I'm telling you, man, there's just there's four to five guys on that Tulsa defense that are legitimate NFL players. There absolutely are. The person that is most projectable, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, is Zayvon Collins. He has the size to play that off-ball Sam, to come down and play some on-ball at times and under-over fronts. Like, he has all that potential. Three and a half tackles for loss. I believe he leads all of college football right now in tackles for loss, at least per game, because he's got 
seven and a half in two weeks. We saw him have three sacks the first game. Like, he's all over the place, and he's doing it in a variety of ways, too. Like, we're seeing him traditional run fits, flown over the top. We're seeing him get sacks. We saw him get an interception this past week as well. You know, it was a little bit of a lucky tip, but, hey, he's in the proper position to make the play. That size, that athleticism, and, again, redshirt junior that I'm told is going to be uh, graduating in December. So I'm not saying that he's net, he's 100% a guy that's going to be in 2021, but what from everything that I'm hearing and what I'm told, he is definitely a solid candidate to do so. So he's a player, you know, if you need a Sam Backer in that K.J. Wright role, I, I think that he is the player to, to go. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at, at the end of this, right, because, like, I'm, I'm kind of settling with him more on, like, the early day three just with, you know, without seeing what type of athlete he is when he tests. But don't be surprised if this guy jumps into the day two sometime if he uh, if he tests as a good athlete with that type of size. You don't see guys like that too often that can do so many multiple things. And I think that he's really hitting his stride and leading what is surprisingly a very dynamic Tulsa defense right now. Yeah, yeah, I've been adamant about my my appreciation and my love for Tulsa defenders. I, I, you know, I had a couple last year that I was a big fan of, and obviously there's some that are showing that they're NFL ready players as well. And and I haven't watched any Tulsa. I'm I'm just gonna be 100% transparent. Um, so I can't really speak on on his play so far this year, but the numbers he's putting up is is rare. And uh, to do it on a stage where to get the upset on UCF. Uh, you, and like you alluded to, uh, the the almost upset uh, in the first game of the season, it's it's very inspiring to see that they have these defenders that are God, they're they're just making an impact and they're making it hard on these good offenses. UCF is a good offense. Dylan Gabriel, I mean, as a college quarterback, is a good quarterback and they has weapons. And so for them to, to play as well as they did and get that upset and Zayvon Collins to continue to put up these numbers, is it's it's fun to see. So I, I'm, I'm excited to get into his tape uh, because I just love watching Tulsa defense overall. Now to transition to the not-so-positive part of the show, the stock down performers, one each from you guys. First being Daz Newsom from Alex. It seems like Daz Newsom from North Carolina has been just not – on the field, he only had one reception for six yards against Boston College. Previous game, two receptions for 25 yards. His disappearance as a productive receiver for North Carolina is really hurting his case for being potentially a, a top 75 pick in this year's class. Alex, what are your thoughts on, on his lack of quality performances? Yeah, I was a fan of Daz coming, coming into the season, but I mean – two games through against Syracuse and in Boston College this past Saturday th- three receptions 31 yards he's he's obviously not a focal point in that passing offense and and yes there's there's Diami Brown uh on the outside that's taken up some a lot of the targets but with as much hype as Daz Newsom was getting coming into this season as a potential like you said top 75 pick he's just not prioritize he's not getting the targets he's on the field it's not like he got hurt both games got banged up he's on the field he's just not getting looks uh on the field and and you know wide receiver class such as this class that's not gonna fly he's going to fall you you like you can't just disappear like he like he has the first couple weeks and so it is disappointing to see you know 
this slot receiver that was as dynamic as he is, he's someone that, you know, me and Ryan were talking before the show. He's he's an easy receiver to scheme open with his his skill set, his athleticism and in the in the role he plays in that offense, yet they haven't made it a priority to do so. So that it is concerning to say that, you know, North Carolina doesn't look for him uh in the big moments and and they're going elsewhere. It's it's concerning, um, and like I said, twenty twenty one class wide receiver class is historic. You know, we said that about twenty twenty class, but it stays true in the twenty twenty one. We'd have a good stretch of wide receiver classes here, and and he's just going to fall as long as he keeps putting up a lack of production on the football field. I really gravitated towards Daz in the in the summer because I just felt like you know when we're talking about him versus Diami Brown, the other wide receiver for North Carolina, I felt like Daz was such an easy transition. You know, to that slot role. Again, a player that you just want to get in space and let him do work. You know, he's got that easy acceleration. He's got that change of direction. Like, there's so much to like about him. But for whatever reason, like Alex said, he's not a focal point right now. It doesn't seem like they're really trying to create those opportunities for him, which is a little odd to me because I think that he is, you know, I mean, that, that offense is a lot of good football players, but he's one of the best players in space on that offense. You know, talking about like Michael Carter and Javante Williams and, Diami Brown, like I want to get Daz Newsom in some space and let him go because you got some playmakers on that offense for sure. Uh, it's been a little concerning. I, I don't know what the what the issue is. You just got to hope after you know only two games that hopefully um, it's just something where maybe the defense was really scheming to stop him and that we can uh, start to get some opportunity for him soon. Last player that we have to discuss on today's show is Desmond Ritter, a, a player, a quarterback from Cincinnati who we have talked highly of for his potential. However, it seems like he has been underperforming these past few weeks and this game against USF where he threw three interceptions and only 143 passing yards is the not nail in the coffin, but enough to really start to drive him down. Ryan, why did you choose him as your stock down player? I feel like every year there are these players that are like sophomores or redshirt freshmen or whatever it is that we dub as, hey, man, if this guy takes the next step, he's going to be incredible. I think of Kellen Mond from Texas A&M as another guy, right? Like when he was a sophomore and when Desmond Ritter was a redshirt freshman, everybody was like, he just needs to take that next step and he's a legit NFL prospect. And I fell into it with Ritter, not so much with Mond, but Ritter, I was like, dude, this kid's a retro freshman playing like this. Like, there's legitimate talent. And now we're two years have passed, and he's still the same guy. He makes the same mistakes. There's been no elevation. It's the same thing for Kellen Mond. They are the same exact player they were two years ago. That's not how that's supposed to work. You're not supposed to be a finished product when you're in your second year of college. And all these people are like, well, you know, you know, still trying to hold on to it. Like, oh, he just needs to take the next step. He hasn't taken the step in two years. Why is he going to take it now? It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen probably at this point. There's something missing. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to say it's from a mental acumen perspective. I don't know Desmond Ritter as a young man. I don't know him as a, as a, a football mind. Like I haven't talked to him about in, in that capacity. So I'm not going to sit here and, and say that he just doesn't have the mental capacity to do it. But for whatever reason, the mistakes that he makes in, in this past week, right, like three interceptions, 143 passing yards. I know what we're really – you know, kind of deciphering a, a victory for them, but like he wasn't efficient as a passer, turned the ball over three times. The same mistakes he always makes, he's still making it two years later. So haven't seen any progression with the man, and it really hurts because, you know, from a 6'3 plus athletic 
has arm strength. Like, he has all those tools similar, again, to Kelamon. I'm kind of, like, bunching those two together because I think of them very similarly. They're just so frustrating. It's so frustrating to watch because then he'll throw a bucket throw down the sideline where he kind of brings you back for a minute. He'll make a nice run where you're like, okay, there it is again. But for whatever reason, they have not progressed, and specifically about Desmond Ritter, he has not become the player that I thought he could be after his 2018 season. And I'm just, at this point, I'm just like, this This is who he is. He's not an NFL quarterback. He is a developmental option that will probably get drafted late because, again, he does have tools. But at the end of the day, I'm not banking on this kid to ever take that next step. Yeah, the arm, yeah, the arm talent is obviously there. still there. Uh, that's never been something to go away. The same thing with Kellamond, as you, as you talked about there. The talent as far as the natural gifts, the natural tools are there. But there's not strides being made from the mental aspect. And at the quarterback position, more so than any other position on the football field, your football IQ has to be stronger than anybody else on that football field. And I don't see improvements. As you said, he's making the same mistakes now that he made as a, as a true freshman, as a redshirt freshman. And that's the same thing with Kellamond, who we talked about last week. We're seeing the same mistakes over and over, and we're not – isn't it what's the saying isn't there a saying that says like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome and that's exactly what i feel like when watching desmond ritter and and the and it's true with kellen mond as well they're do they're making the same mistakes and and i don't know if this is a a lack of diving into the film and really trying to to f- correct those issues whether it's from understanding defensive concepts that are going on in front of you. I don't know what the issue is with these guys, but they have so much talent. They just don't know how to hone it in and take care of the football and 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 throw with consistency. There there's there's the same flaws over and over as you said. So I he's he's so frustrating cuz you want him to be good and I and I and I, you know, I'm I'm with you on that Ryan. You wanted him to be good. And it's he shows flashes, and that's the thing. That's where that's where these people continue to hold on to these guys is because the flashes are so great. But it does. It, it's exactly it. it. Those flashes give you just enough hope that they they're starting to figure it out. That you hold on and hold on and hold on, and and he's just going to continue to disappoint. And that's what we've seen so far with with his and Kellen Mond's career. Not to bring in Kellen Mond into this discussion, but. He didn't look too great against Alabama either, and obviously the strugglesome uh, week last week. So, uh, yeah, these quarterbacks talented, and you know, just can't figure it out mentally uh, from the mental side of the position. Well, that is going to be it for this stock up, stock down discussion from this past week of college football, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow Ryan at Rise and Draft. You can follow Alex at Alex Skillstrap. And you can follow me at Joe DeLeon. Also follow Believe Podcasts at BLEAV Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.